G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You might remember the recent Understanding the Times Tour event, and of course it wasn't a tour this year, it was an online event with Dr. Camille Majdali. That's just a few weeks ago on the 7th of October. Your opportunity then to participate in that online event with Camille around his message Reset or Revival, You Choose. Well, this year, Camille was streamed into our living rooms from the UK and we followed up the presentation with a live Q&A. Lots of questions were registered and our team were able to identify some of those for discussion on the night. But there were a lot more listener questions that came in from viewers and listeners than we could cover on the night. So today, our opportunity to follow up the message, Reset or Revival, by posing some more of those questions that Vision listeners have directly to Dr. Camille Majdali. Dr. Camille Majdali leads Teach All Nations. You'll know Camille from our weekday segment, Faith and the Future, and from the Understanding the Times tours around Australia that were interrupted by COVID. He's been grounded because of COVID border restrictions, but is joining us live from the UK. Dr. Camille Majdali, welcome back to 2020. Hello, Neil, and God bless Australia. Well, Camille, it's in the middle of the night for you. Uh, For us, it's mid-morning, and so thank you so much for sacrificing your sleep to be with us, to be able to talk through some of these questions. Before we get into questions, though, Camille, We'll need to recap some of the key points that you were delivering in your message. Uh, Revival, uh, reset or revival. Uh, Give us an insight here, if we can, just sort of recap some of those important points. Yes, well, recap is that we had the beginning of this decade, 2020, we begin with a bang, with, uh, of course, the covid Uh, riots in the U.S. and uh, protests even in Australia, and then, of course, the disputed U.S. presidential election, and then, of course, it's been a continued wild ride in many places in 2021. And in all this change and challenge, there has come, what we would say, two emerging things. One is a reset. Some of it is just organic. It's going to be, it's going to happen because things have changed. For example, a lot of online church services, online giving, you know, things of that sort. The way we do church, some of that will probably become semi-permanent. And it's just, as I said, it came organically. It was not mandated, or some of it was initially mandated, but there'll be a continuation. There is also an attempt by the World Economic Forum to do a global reset, which is to really remake or reformat capitalism into something that's environmental and 
sustainable and uh, has new governance and all that. It is, of course, the dream of some of the global elites and the wealthy ones, the billionaires, and so on. Having said that, I don't believe they control all the levers, even though they are very influential. But in the midst of the change and challenge emerges another option, and that is a return to the things of God, a revival, the church coming alive again, the Holy Spirit being poured out, not just upon the church itself, but upon the seven mountains of influence, a teaching and thesis by Lauren Cunningham and the late Bill Bright in the 70s that has reemerged in our time. And in other words, the church has to be more than influential within its four walls. It has to influence against society as it once had. That is a return and revival too. And there's anecdotal evidence that this is actually happening. I say at this point, we have a choice whether we want to just stay on autopilot and head for some form of reset, may not all be WEF, or we make a decision to press into the things of God, return to the first works in the spirit of the first love, and not only come alive again, but make a massive difference to our generation. That's the choice that is before us. Somehow, rather here, you've put your finger on a number of very important points, like where we sit contextually as Christians in amongst those big picture issues like resets, but the culture wars and going woke uh, was one of your themes in the recent presentation. I wonder whether you've got a an in a nutshell idea about the growing wokery as you talk about it, because we're seeing this more and more. <laughs> right. Yes, I just looked at my notes now and I said, I didn't mention woke, but uh, the rise of wokery, it is actually like this best-selling book called Woke Inc. Woke Inc. by Vivak Ramaswamy. I know nobody's going to remember the surname. And he's an American of Indian ancestry, and he's about 35 years old, very brilliant, how he describes the rise of, of wokery, and especially how big business has gone woke, not out of conviction in most cases, but because it actually helps their profits, or at least that's what they think. Wokery, or going woke, is where an individual it's almost like a conversion experience, except not in a very positive way. They wake up to what they perceive is social injustice. Now, it's totally culturally Marxist-influenced. The environment's being ruined. There's a lot of sexism and racism and all this. And the demeanor of these people changes to being very, I mean, with all due respect, self-righteous, narcissistic, angry. Some of them become insufferable. It's, it's like the antithesis of coming to Christ and being full of love, joy, and peace. They become the opposite. And it is totally cultural Marxist orientated because cultural Marxism wants to disengage you from faith, from family, from the freedoms of the West, and it goes into what I would call a hyper-progressive mode where totalitarianism becomes the order of the day, just like fascists and communists and Nazis of the 20th century. So it is 
it's like a religious conversion, and it is lived with religious zeal, but it is, as it were, totally misguided and something that any, shall we say, Bible-believing, born-again Christian should avoid like the plague. It's driven by a certain passion, and we might describe that passion as something that, as you say, is an opposite to the type of passion we have as Christian believers, and such a significant event, the Great Reset. You're saying that these sorts of challenges at this time in our history are so great they need a God-sized solution, and so we get to that idea of revival. Where does that fit as the Christian response to what's happening, Camille? I believe that revival is the Christian response, but more importantly, the divine or God's response to what is happening. That God is using the chaos, which he didn't create, by the way. We love to blame God for when things go wrong. (laughs) We're in a fallen world, and we have a big bad devil, the prince of the power of the air. That alone can explain virtually everything that's going wrong. And also, we have people in the flesh, too, that, that does it as well. So God is coming in, desiring to come in, and I believe is coming in with a move of the Holy Spirit. We've had moves of the Holy Spirit for the last century. We call it the Pentecostal revival, starting in Azusa Street and go, continue on unabated till now. But this is a special extra-octane visitation that I believe God wants to bring. They call it, in the United States, a third great American awakening, which, by the way, the other two awakenings set the United States on a very good course. And we believe that the same can happen here. But Australia would not be left out, of course, not only because of cross-pollination with all things that are happening in the rest of the world, but also because Australia is terra Australis del Espiritu Santo, Southland of the Holy Spirit. I believe that name is very prophetic, and we will see the culmination of that in the coming days. So I believe we at this point, but we don't have lots and lots of time, can make a decision as God's people. We want to go all the way Jesus' way. We're not going to succumb to fear and intimidation. We are going to be bold and be strong for the Lord our God is with us, and let him bring us back into that fresh fire that many of us knew when we first came to faith. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Good to have you with us. Talk back line open 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Dr. Camille Majdali. He leads Teach All Nations. The Understanding the Times event just recently was very, very popular. There were thousands who took part in that. There were so many questions we couldn't get through them all in the live Q&A. So your opportunity to participate with a question, a comment or a critique on 1-800-316-316. Camille, let's start with some of the questions that were posed by listeners on the night and some of these we'll give quick answers to if uh, if there are some longer answers required you feel free here's one from cherry who asked who is behind the reset and is the australian government aware what would your response to cherry be right i did mention it a little earlier but the 
World Economic Forum, WEF, and has the plan, the blueprint for a great reset, as well as, shall we say, globalist elites. A lot of them are wealthy. Some of them are very well-intentioned, some of them not. Is the Australian government aware? How does anyone know what the Australian government knows? I can't say. I would think they would be aware of some things and very possibly unaware of other things. I'm not sure how engaged they are in what is happening or on the ball. I just know, my guess is they know a little bit. I don't think they know the whole blueprint, but they may just be feel compelled to go along with the line. Having said that, nobody, but nobody controls the whole earth. Not even Antichrist in the last days, because he'll have, I think, something like three civil wars in his reign. So the only one to control all the earth is the Lord's. So what I'm getting at is nobody has all the levers or the steering wheel in their hand. Except God, ultimately. Just an addendum to that question with something that's very current right now. So many listeners will be aware. And our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, about to get on a plane to go to the Glasgow Climate Change Conference, which is uh, close to where you are, in fact, right now. Uh, Some people would be seeing this as part of some of the Great Reset type of initiative. Any thoughts here? Well... Look, it's a mixed bag when it comes to the environment. Of course, every responsible citizen wants to have clean air, water, take care of natural habitat, and so on and so forth. The The challenge is that we, first of all, need to know what is the cause of global warming. Climate is definitely changing, as it has throughout all of history, But is it man-made? Is it causing great dislocation? And does reorganizing the economy to a more socialist mode, is that going to actually save the environment? Or is it a ruse to bring in a reset? I know that Scott Morrison has been getting a lot of challenge on this issue. And I think he committed Australia to net zero. But uh, the devil is in the detail. So... What I think is, yes, it, all this kind of thing can lead to a more globalist cooperation, but I do see a lot of spoilers in the midst. China, India, and uh, America may not be as cooperative as everyone was hoping. So uh, it won't go according to script, is my prediction. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. Let's continue on some more questions from the night, Camille. Lily says, Dr. Camille, must all these events happen before the return of Christ? A response here for Lily. Well, it depends what you want to call the return of Christ. There is, there is those who believe there's a rapture, second coming, all is one event, And there are those that believe that the coming of Jesus for the church or the rapture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, is a distinct and separate event to the second coming. I would say that as far as the formal second coming, the one that every eye shall see him and 
He comes with ten thousands of his saints, and he's on the white horse. That's at the end of the age. So, yes, I suspect it. <laughs> all the things that we were talking about would happen before that. But should the pre-tribulation be the way to go? And I'm, I'm deliberately being ambiguous for various reasons. I'm not so ambiguous in a class. Then some things could happen before and some people things after. But I do say, without hesitation, we should see the signs of the times, but most of all, we should pray for and look for the coming of the Lord. Let's More go to another, else. another question. Robert and June say, given the turmoil of COVID and subsequent loss of freedoms, do you think that will result in people seeking some sense of global peace or do you think that will give rise to the Antichrist? Uh, thought for Robert and June. You know, that's a good question. And there are, it appears to be two different trends. One is increasing authoritarianism, totalitarianism. Australia has been getting a lot of bad press. I've never seen this in all my life from overseas, even here in the United Kingdom. They, they're thinking, what on earth is going on down under? So there is that. But there seems to be a lot of what we call populist, nationalist pushback. It's certainly happening here in Europe. I'm telling you, they're not putting up with mass mandates in the EU. They are protesting like you've never seen, far more than what we've seen in Australia. Uh, America's pushing back too, and other places. So it's like two different headwinds. One is the warm, you know, from the Arabian Desert headwind that goes to the Holy Land, and the other is the cool, moist north wind that comes either from Russia or comes from the Atlantic, and they're seemingly colliding these two winds. And so I would say that it's yet to be revealed which side is going to win. Just uh, looking at what's happening in the Virginia gubernatorial campaign, it should have been a shoe-in for the Democratic candidate McAuliffe, but because people are pushing back on educational tyranny and teaching in the schools, I mean, the, the mothers in those school meetings, it's, it's like a bear robbed of her whelps. They are fighting back. And these are just ordinary, everyday people. So I'm seeing two different trends here and wondering which is going to prevail. But uh, we just have to wait and see. Okay, Carolyn has a question that's very similar to this and really brings out the essence of who we are as Christian believers. And as you say, there are ordinary people who have a voice but they have to exercise that in a certain way. But Carolyn says, how do we stand up to the mandates but not disobey the law and still honour God? Or do we have permission to push back and not get vaccinated and threatened to lose our jobs? Your thoughts for Carolyn? Yes, yes that is an excellent, very timely, very practical question. And I actually think with the vaccine mandates, it's amazing how much division it's caused, even within churches. I'm talking about Australian churches more so. The thing is, first of all, some are invoking Romans 13, what we have to do what the government says. And Romans 13 does teach us to be submissive to the government. But as interesting, 
that Romans 13 was written by Paul, I believe, when Nero, the mad emperor of Rome, was in charge. (laughs) And so, you know, yeah, you have to cooperate with the government. That's it is there, and we have to honor that. But it's not absolute. We also have Acts chapter 5, verse 29, which says we ought to obey God rather than man. What I'm getting at is everything we do, especially in a major way, I should say, we need to be led by the Lord. And we need to get his, shall we say, his voice and see what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. I believe nobody, nobody should be coerced against their will to do anything. That is the essence of a free society. There may be consequences. I'll cut in here because we're about to go to news. We want to take some more questions from listeners now who are listening into our conversation today. So, Camille, why don't we start with some listener calls? Uh, Let's hear from David, who is in Logan in Queensland. David, welcome along to 2020. G'day, Leo. David, what's your question? Um... Well, it says in the Bible that um, the coming of the Lord in those days will be like the days of Noah. So do you think that this uh, big, great reset thing is like a Noah's Ark sort of thing? Good insight, David. Camille, your response for David? Great question, David. Thank you. I would say the revival is the Noah's Ark (laughs) and not the reset. And, and I believe, in fact, I've just finished or I'm having an editor working on my coming book about Psalm 91, God's Secret Place. And to me, immersing yourself in the things of God, especially in revival, is the most wonderful ark we could imagine. So, yeah, that's my response. David, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Kevin is in central Queensland. Hello, Kevin. Welcome. How's it going? Very well, Kevin. What are your thoughts? Um, There's something happening in Sudan. Uh, Is this the last pawn to be put into place for the beginning of the Gog-Magog war? And could that bring on a revival within the church? On a massive scale. Okay, a focus on North Africa, Sudan, and things that are developing there around the Middle East. Uh, Camille, your thoughts for Kevin? Well, I think he, Kevin's referring to a coup d'etat that happened by the military just days ago. As far as, uh, yes, I can see why he would bring in Ezekiel 38 and 39, Gog and Magog, referring to the alliance of Gog with Cush, Put, and Persia. But, uh, yeah, of course, revival is a totally separate issue to Gog and Magog, but sometimes what happens is that it's in the midst of change, challenge, and crisis that revival, or revival, excuse me, does emerge. So all I can say is let's watch and pray, but let's follow and open up to the wind of the Holy Spirit. Kevin, thank you so much for your call. I hope that was a good response for you. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call. Graham is in Burnie, Tasmania. Hi, Graham. Good day, gentlemen. 
You know, uh, <clears throat> we're in a situation where this world has changed since I was a young man. A rejection of God totally. And we're being set up for the biggest con on the face of the earth that will lead a lot of people in great lot of suffering because people rejected God and the world is being used and by Satan and God's allowing it because we've rejected him. And the great deception will be the man of <coughs> the false prophet will deceive the whole world because we are rejected, we've rejected God. We don't know our Bible, we don't know Matthew 24, and we don't know uh, Revelation 13. Graham, good thoughts there. Camille, your thoughts? Well, thank you, Graham, for your question, and God bless Tasmania. Uh, what I wanted to say is what we definitely need is discernment. It's a wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit, discerning the spirits, but it's also something we can cultivate by observation, application of wise principles, in other words, Book of Proverbs, and watching from other people's mistakes and successes. If ever there's a time we need discernment, it's now. It doesn't come on a platter. It isn't something instantaneous. It is cultivated. And I would urge all listeners to become very biblically literate, led by the Holy Spirit, listening to wise counsel. That's how you will optimize your ability to discern. And when you discern, you will always make the right decisions, even if everybody else is not. Thank you so much to Graham in Burnie, Tasmania. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's come back to some of the questions that came in on the night of the Understanding the Times event. There's a question from Vanessa who says, Do you believe there is enough time for revival? She says, I feel we're running out of time. I'm happy to pray for revival and to live a spirit-filled life, but do you have any other practical ideas on how we can prevent the reset? Your thoughts for Vanessa? All right, thank you. That is a great question, and her sentiments are understandable, to say the least. First of all, I would say that revival is the response to reset. It is the counterbalance. It is, in my estimation, what God actually wants. As far as time running out, uh, we, should, we should always live with a sense and one area of urgency and another sense to think that things will continue for a while. Well, yes, there is another string to the bow, which I have been advocating for many years. We not only need to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church, we need to be listening to what's happening in the world, too. Not too much, because it won't be always edifying. But what I'm getting at, and it's one of the reasons we have the Understanding the Times Tour and the Issachar Teaching e-letter, it's people need to know not just what's going on, but why it's going on. Be informed, and where, led by God, be active. Make your voice heard on high in community affairs, like the parents at the school boards in the United States, across the United States, they're making their voices heard because they have been informed of what's happening within those schools and they don't like it. So yes, there is a place for prudent, mature activism as led by God. I must highlight that point. So yes, revival, be informed, and take action as directed 
by the Lord. Let's go through lots of these questions. Jason, on the night of the Understanding the Times event, uh, he asked the question, and I'll uh, get a little bit of context here, because today in Victoria they're calling it Freedom Friday, and so lots of the restrictions have been lifted. They've been under one of the lock- longest lockdowns uh, in the world. Uh, but Jason on the night asked, when will believers ever return to a church worship service, or has a new normal started with marketplace evangelism? Uh, your thoughts for Jason, Camille? Well, could just rephrase that again, please, Neil. I think the essence, the essence of the question is uh, at the time when the question was asked, church services uh, were certainly banned in the state of Victoria, and there may be some, uh, some relaxation as of today because today is considered to be some Freedom Friday. But the essence of the question here is, uh, or has a new normal started with marketplace evangelism? In other words... Uh, the word of God in evangelism going outside of the walls of the church in the marketplace rather than behind the four walls of church. Okay, I think I understand it now. I believe some things will go back to how they used to be, and I believe some things, the change is permanent. It just varies. I've had to change how I do ministry, like so many others, a lot of remote contacting and and dealing with people in a different way, but also the nature of my ministry is a lot of research, writing, and and broadcasting too. So as far as evangelism is concerned, there can be and should be every innovation impossible. Sorry, let me qualify again. Every innovation made possible. I like what the late Mary Kay, who did the cosmetic empire, Mary Kay Cosmetics, multi-billion dollar empire, and she had this little maxim, innovate or evaporate. And so let's take advantage of the innovations we can to do our outreach, our discipling, our church planning, whatever it may be, let's do it for the glory of God. Jan on the night asked a question a little similar where she said the early church met in homes, not churches. I wonder if we're being led back to that state. Uh, And a quick response for what Jan was asking. There could be a great trend back to home church, just as in the United States, a great trend to homeschooling. 700% increase in the last year of homeschooling in America, and I think there will be that with the church. But remember, home groups are nothing new. It just may be that home groups take on a new and weightier meaning in the days ahead. A question that came in on the night, how do we stop our children from becoming social justice warriors during their education? And I guess the homeschooling issue may be part of a response there? That is an excellent question. I wish I had an hour to answer it. I think, though, it's, it's simple. We need to remember, first of all, as parents, we are the teachers. We are the first teachers, and we are the best teachers, or for better and for worse, and hopefully for better. We need to instill a biblical worldview in our children and teach them the fear of the Lord. I'm telling you now, that will save you a lot of grief. When your children know that God is watching, weighing their actions, blessing them for their cooperation, 
chastising them because he loves them so much when they don't cooperate it's it's a real winner and there are, are alternatives in education be led of the lord do your homework and i think you will find that as proverbs say lead a, a teach a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it Let's go with another question that came in on the night of the Understanding the Times event. Nat in Crystal Brook in South Australia uh, had a question. How do we talk with other Christians who see Black Lives Matter as a great thing but refuse to enter into a conversation about the dangers behind such organisations? Your thoughts for Nat? We live in an age of deception. And it even can affect Christians, because if it didn't affect Christians, Paul wouldn't have written those words in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 about, let us not sleep, as do others. Failure to look at facts and reality is a form of sleeping and drunkenness, again, as per that chapter. We need to pray about such things and and do it in a loving manner, because I'm finding by observation, that you can present people reality, truth, things that are factual, and it won't register. It's almost like a form of comatoseness, you know, and it, it's a spiritual thing ultimately, and so we use spiritual weapons to deal with it. But uh, her, her experience is not unusual. Taking questions on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Penny in Tasmania. Hi, Penny. Hello, Neil. How are you? Very well, Penny. What are your What's your question hello. for Dr. Camille? Oh, hello, Dr. Camille. How are you? I'm good, Penny. God bless Tasmania. Um, I've listened to you often and enjoy what you um, teach on. So my question is a bit of an odd one. Um, in, in, in relation to Genesis, um, what degree is it um, in Revelation in the end, end day? Uh, Penny, I'm not sure that was very clear, your question. Uh, you're talking about Genesis and uh, the end days. Um, Camille, did you uh, pick up anything there from that question? I, I haven't connected it yet, no. Penny, you might just try one more time because I don't want to, I don't want to cut you off there, but uh, it wasn't easy to understand. Just say your question again. Oh, sorry. Um, um, it, with relation to Genesis, like Adam being the first man, Jesus being... The um, uh, the second Adam, man. yeah, the second Adam, um, through revelation of the last days that we believe we're in. Uh, Camille, you got that, um, revelation of the last days based on the first Adam and the last Adam. Well, I'll just have a simple answer here. We are in the last days. First John two, eighteen, I believe it is, says, Little children, it is the last hour. And that was written 2,000 years ago. Uh, of course, we see it from God's perspective. A day is a thousand years, a thousand years a day. So in a sense, 
the advent of Jesus and his atoning death on the cross happened, according to the book of Hebrews, at the end of the age, in the last times. So if Calvary's at the last times, or even more at the last times, as we look for the return of Jesus to planet Earth. Penny, thank you so much for your call, 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Pete is in Victoria. Hi, Pete. Good day, uh, Neil and Camille. How are you going? Very well, Pete. What are your thoughts? Good, Pete. Yeah, uh, just quickly, in Romans chapter 13, um, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, which there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Which means that the governing authorities have a duty under God to uphold justice and not to inflict tyranny on the people. And if they don't obey God's word, their authority is no greater than a criminal's. Sadly, we're having a lot of ungodly uh, legislations and uh, policies that are being put in place. Um, Proverbs, in addition, says... uh, in 14, chapter 14, verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And uh, tragically, the cries are real, um, and we need Jesus desperately. You know, good on you, Pete. Uh, good uh, good uh, question. Camille, your response? Well, Pete, I'm a Victorian too, and I'm watching everything very, very carefully. Just remember that Victoria and Melbourne was the place where, shall we say, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Great things happened at the time of Federation, just before and just after. And it's like there were wells of living water in Melbourne and Victoria, which have been filled up, like Genesis 26, by the Philistines. I would say in the midst of all the challenge in Victoria, God's people need to be like Isaac in Genesis 26 again, Redigging those wells, calling out to the name of the Lord, prayer and fasting, seeking his face diligently. Ultimately, the spiritual answers are what are going to see us through. And of course, with the spiritual answers, the Holy Spirit may direct us to do certain practical activities as well. Pete in Victoria, thank you so much for your call. And now we're running out of time. Let me come back to one question that was asked on the night of the Understanding the Times event. It came from Dex, and Dex asked, Are we entering the period, or have we entered the period just prior to the tribulation, and does it get more difficult from here? Your thoughts here around what may be coming in times ahead, uh, Camille, uh, are we in for a more difficult time or is there something sinister in the idea of uh, government handouts and uh, feeling good about things that are going on, even though that in itself has a similar sort of deceptiveness about it? Any thoughts here for Dex? That's a great question. My response might sound a bit ambiguous, but it's, it's... It's actually because I still believe we have a choice. If we do nothing, then yes, it's going to be more difficult. The nature of the last days is that (laughs) bad things are going to get worse, but good things are going to get better. The light will get brighter, the dark will get darker. And I do believe that if we 
push through in the things of God, in seeking him for revival and obeying the commands of the Lord, which also, of course, bring a visitation of the Holy Spirit, then, of course, in that environment, some very positive things will happen. It can even change nations. That's how important it may be. So I would say we don't have to passively and helplessly watch what's happening and just be you know, terrified and want to withdraw somewhere. We can actually make a difference. Church history is replete with it. So I would just say, let's push into a revival. Let the Holy Spirit do the resetting he wants. And I think we can see better days. It is possible. And Camille, on revival, sometimes we think of revival as something that happens to the masses or to the church, an awakening outside of the church of people who come to know the things of God. But personal revival starts with us individually. We don't have to wait, do we, for some special move because personal revival can happen to us right now if we pause before God. Any thoughts here for the listener who's saying, how does this affect how I might live my life right now? Excellent point, Neil. I would say to everyone listening, especially if you're a believer in Jesus, especially if you long for revival, you don't have to wait for something corporate to get revived. I highly recommend seeking God. You can do it on your own if you have to, uh, or you can do it with other people who are of like mind and heart. Seek God. And if you're healthy enough, by the way, do some fasting. I'm telling you, fasting does wonders. To fast track, pardon the pun, you into the presence and purposes of God. So yes, absolutely. (laughs) Don't wait for others to get revived before you do. Take the lead and go into the presence of God. There's plenty to pray about. One of the reasons that I think God allowed the outcomes that we've seen in the U.S. with the election and all that is to get his people praying like they've never prayed before. And it is happening, and good things are coming out of it. We just don't hear it on the mainstream news, but things are happening. The corn is beginning to pop in the positive way. A good way to top off our conversation today, Dr. Camille Magdaly leads Teach All Nations. There's a website you can connect with, Camille, T-A-N, that stands for Teach All Nations, tan.org.au. I'll remind you that Camille's new book is called The Prophet from Babylon, Understanding the Book of Daniel. And yes, it is available right now in the Vision Store, vision.org.au. You'll find a link to the Vision Store. Get a hold of Camille's book, The Prophet from Babylon, Understanding the Book of Daniel. And of course, you'll know that there are numerous books in the Vision Store from Dr. Camille Magdaly. And when you're on the tan.org.au website for Teach All Nations, you can subscribe to the Issachar Teaching Letter. Camille, you've stayed up in the middle of the night. We honour you for that at your home today in the UK. And uh, we look forward to seeing you once again sometime soon here in Australia. But I want to thank you so much on behalf of every listener today for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us on 2020. My pleasure, Neil. God bless you, and God bless Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.